Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon, happy hump day. Welcome to The Hash on Coindesk TV. You may be listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network if you're not watching us, but either way, we love you and we're happy that you're here with us today. I'm Jen Sadassi. Joining me today is Wendy O and Will Foxley. We're going to get right into the news of the day. Will, you got our first story. Some new developments with those ETFs. Yep. Three box Wednesday. I'm in a weird box today, though. So I'm watching this. Apologies <laughs> for that. It's a odd angle, but we're here. If that's all that matters. Valkyrie Digital Assets has refiled its application for spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund. Of course, they already have a futures Bitcoin exchange traded fund on the NASDAQ. So this follows up on top of that one. They've refiled using the Coinbase surveillance agreement that was first noted or at least whispered with BlackRock. Uh, the SEC went back to all these people who had filed ETFs and said, we need you to name whoever is in the surveillance agreement. So now all those refilings have begun with Valkyrie being one of those. Of course, the market is turning on a lot of this news. Bitcoin peaked over $31,000 over the weekend. And it's been pretty strong in headwaves that, hey, there might be a spot ETF in the future for Bitcoin. Wendy, I'll throw it over to you for your take. I feel like BlackRock was playing 4D chess with the entire market because wasn't BlackRock the first one to kind of kick this trend off when it came to filing for Bitcoin spot ETFs? And they, you know, the breaking news was that the BlackRock Bitcoin spot ETF was rejected when in fact it wasn't rejected. It just needed to be modified. But I feel like they purposely left that area blank for the SSA, for their central intermediary. And they kind of needed to wait for somebody to clap back. And then everybody else kind of followed suit. So I think it's very interesting that they named Coinbase, um, considering that Coinbase is currently going head to head with the SEC. And again, at the end of the day, I'm not a big fan of a Bitcoin ETF because I feel like it's going to continue to make Americans more lazy and we're not going to safely custody or even need to learn how to safely custody our Bitcoin. That's another argument. Um, but at the same time, I also think that um, it's very interesting that they picked Coinbase considering all of the drama that's happening. And I'm going to, I'm really here for the tea. This is probably the best novella I have ever seen <laughs> recently. It kind of is a novella, Wendy. Um, so Coinbase being named in this, I think was a surprise to everyone given that the SEC 
came after um, Coinbase in their lawsuit, but they're being named as the surveillance sharing partner in, I believe, all of the ETFs that refiled, right? So BlackRock refiled, listing Coinbase as the partner. A few others followed suit. I believe almost all of those on that graphic that we see on um, the screen there. But according to BlackRock's filing that came in just a few days ago, Coinbase has represented 56 per cent of the dollar to Bitcoin trading on US-based platforms. And that's why BlackRock chose. I feel like BlackRock is leading the way. I feel like it, and this is just a feeling, I have no information. It feels like BlackRock must have some information. Uh, and that's why they issued this filing. And then it feels like everyone is just following what they do. And all the analysts in the market are are saying that they are hopeful that this ETF comes to fruition. Of course, like Will mentioned, Bitcoin is holding above $30,000. I have to mention Canada has had an ETF for a very, very long time. And so all of this excitement, I don't know, Will, is it going to fizzle away once this ETF gets approved if and when it does? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, the one thing I want to go back to is talking about like, does BlackRock have information that other people don't? And I actually sort of want to push back on that because I, I don't think they do have more information than others. Like there's a lot of people out there who've been filing ZTS for years, but they've been going up against an SEC that didn't want to see this product go through. What BlackRock does have is political edge, right? They have like the clout, they have the size, and they have the politicians in a lot of ways. A lot of people use BlackRock. BlackRock is one of the largest issuers, if not the largest issuer of ETFs. And so for them to look at this market and say, like, you know, we want an ETF probably means that there's probably been the ability to have an ETF in this market for a while. Coinbase has been around for quite a while. It's been a public company for over two years now. It made sense for BlackRock to step in when the timing was right for the product, not necessarily just because they have more information than other people. And the surveillance sharing agreement, that maybe was like an edge that other people didn't have. But at the same time, those things are not uncommon either. And I'm frankly a little confused why people didn't come up with that earlier if that's all they really needed was some sort of surveillance agreement on market manipulation. If you go back to like the earlier ETFs, that's always been the critique is that the Bitcoin market can easily be manipulated. But if you have this agreement, maybe there's a way around it. Wendy? But like, this is the thing, though, like everything is so heavily manipulated, especially traditional finance and all the insider information that goes along. And I guess that it's like the SSA is like, this public facade that they have to do as lawmakers or public servants, but isn't it kind of silly? And I feel like well, the reason why there wasn't uh, um, an SSA listed in the first place is because the SEC has literally gone head to head with every single crypto exchange in America for one reason or the another. And the lawsuits are just pretty hilarious and frivolous at this time. But I, I think that that's why they didn't list it initially is they probably didn't want, I don't know, I probably, I feel like they were waiting for the SEC to respond and that's probably the, an internal conversation that went down, in my personal opinion. I, I just want to point out quickly that I, in previous filings, Will, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it's taken the SEC much longer to respond with feedback here. We had BlackRock file. We had a few other firms file. The SEC came back, said this is inadequate, and they had the chance to make those amendments and file again. I don't feel like we've seen the SEC respond so quickly in the past. No, I think you're right there. Uh, I think it sort of depends on the sort of filing that we're, we're being done. This one, it was like sort of a quick note being like, hey, you guys need to share the, uh, the partner with this surveillance agreement. And so they're able to refile pretty quickly. But overall, the SEC has taken forever to get back on these things, which has delayed any sort of push with an ETF, right? If you put an ETF into the market and then you have to wait forever for the SEC to get back to you, well, basically just spending millions of dollars on lawyer fees and not having any revenue in return. All right, let's leave that one there. I'm sure we'll have more ETF news for you tomorrow. But let's talk about 3AC and some comments that were made on a Twitter spaces. 
So 3AC founders will apparently donate future earnings to creditors who lost money after the hedge fund imploded last year. This is according to what Kyle Davies said in a Twitter spaces on Monday as a response to a question about the optics of him and Suzu working on a new crypto exchange from the beaches of Bali while 3AC goes through liquidation. Davies described the plan as a, quote, shadow recovery process outside of the liquidation proceedings. He also said that some early creditors have already been made whole. Wendy, I heard that big sigh of yours. So what are your thoughts on these comments? Well, I don't like to get bit twice in a row. And I think that I feel like everybody was a bad actor. I prefer in that particular situation with the entire crypto contagion that happened, it was just kind of tiered levels of who was worse than the other. And I don't know, I just wouldn't want to do business or be a part of anything in relation to this type of these type of people. Um, And I feel like there's a lot more time or we should people should be a lot more patient and wait for some of the lawsuits and things to play out before you use products or services from people. And that's a very important aspect of fundamental analysis that I feel like a lot of us in the crypto industry um, fail to use or even think about. I want to use a product by somebody who, you know, has a particular type of pass or that I'm getting bad vibes from. And I know that sounds kind of off, but I really (laughs) like after everything that's happened, I would just be really cautious using anybody's product that's done something not so good in the past. I was just going to say to Wendy's point, we always say, do your own research. And part of that do your own research is looking into the people behind the project. You look into what happened at at 3AC and Wendy. I think your comments make complete sense. I want to point to this uh, quote from a spokesperson for Taneo, who is the 3AC liquidator. Uh, They said, the founders of Three Arrows have willfully ignored multiple requests to assist with this process after initiating liquidation themselves. And the court records paint a clear picture of the ways in which they have hindered creditor recoveries. Just hearing that quote from the liquidator and comparing that with um, some of these comments made on the Twitter spaces doesn't really feel like they jive. But Will, I'll pass it off to you. Yeah, the whole article here is pretty interesting. This comes from a Twitter space of Martin Nafal. So it's interesting to see these characters jump in that boat. Martin Nafal, of course, is like blowing up on Twitter spaces right now and becoming like a pretty influential media figure and for him to like invite these two on is interesting in and of itself sort of talking about like where the nexus of media is going for Kyle Davies himself I think again like another tone deaf answer and he's sort of leaned into this right like he's tweeted a lot of pictures of him fine dining being a Bali he's had some quotes to New York Times about like touching grass too much can only do so much for yourself like he's not really a character that people like and he's sort of leaning into this villain thing right and so I think for him to go out there and talk about hey it's okay for for us to do this creditor thing, you'll get paid back eventually. I don't think a lot of people who are millions to billions of dollars are going to like, especially enjoy hearing that bit. And the last bit on it is like, that doesn't, the plan doesn't really make sense, right? Often in crypto, you only struck lucky once and to do it twice, especially after having such a bad track record would be pretty outrageous. Uh, I agree with the creditors here and I agree with the, the liquidator. They need to fall into line with that and start liquidating their assets accordingly. Wendy, I'll throw it to you. Um, why don't people in crypto take advantage of PR? Like, I feel like crypto PR is used inappropriately or not the correct way. Like, they use PR for marketing purposes of their like actual company when in fact, like, they should be using that for themselves and hire like a team of marketers to help on that aspect. But if I was this particular person that was a deemed as a bad actor, I wouldn't be flexing any type of wealth. I would literally just be begging for apologies. Like, I don't know. I just think that people do very cringy things. And I'm with you, Wendy. 
Um, you know, he said in the Twitter spaces, there's a connection between the new venture and creditors. And he, he says that creditors are going to be able to benefit from this new entrepreneurial journey. It feels like he's using this as like a way to promote open exchange. You know, I mean, like I, I just brought it up now. We're talking about it now. And a lot of people have said this new product, honestly, if brought to market by anyone else, it is, is one that could do well. And um, the tokenization of bankruptcy claims is an interesting, is an interesting way to look at these, but I'm totally. I'm totally with you on that one, Wendy. We have to cover the story because it is all the rage on NFT Twitter. So Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT floor price sinks to 20-month low. The floor fell to about 27.4 ETH, which is equivalent to approximately $58,000 on a Sunday. This price has not been seen since October of 2021. And then we pumped to all-time high. But again, we are in a bull market. We're currently in a bear market. Data from CoinGecko shows the floor price hit 153.7 ETH in April of 2022. And again, you guys, we were in a different market. Um, OpenSea said, Basie, I guess that's how the cool kids say it, has experienced a decline in the average price, reflecting on a wider cooldown in the NFT market. And the other top collections, including Moonbirds, Azuki, Doodles, have also experienced dips recently. And the Basie floor price has risen back above 30 ETH since then. Full disclosure, I own a mutant ape free and clear that I traded to get, and I will keep him or her forever. I think that this is just typical bear market behavior, but I want to get Will's um, opinion on this because um, he's an Ordinals guy. I am an Ordinals well, guy. I'm Will's our NFT big... expert these days. He is. Totally. I am. I am. Jen, you relinquished the throne to me. It's kind of sad. You had it, <laughs> you know, scotch clear. No, this, this story is sort of emblematic of the whole NFT market and very similar to the ICO market, I think, in 2018, 2019, where a lot of these people made these huge projects, they promised a lot of things, and then over time, those fulfillment of those promises couldn't be made because they were too big, too grandiose, and the underlying product itself was oversold. We saw that a lot of these board apes went up to as much as like $500,000 as a base floor. And the idea was, hey, let's build a whole ecosystem out of this. We can make games, we can have celebrities be involved, we can make restaurants, all this sort of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. It takes years to make, and only part of it became true. Even if you don't like the artwork, even if you don't care about that, there was a lot of promises for just being in this community. And those things take time. And if you're not able to fill it fast enough, well, it's a very liquid market. So you can just opt out of it very quickly. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is people deciding, hey, I'd rather have the ETH. I'd rather have the USD then be a part of this community. So I'm going to jump out of it. I think that's the same thing that happened with Azuki when it sort of messed up its launch two weeks ago or a week ago. They didn't meet the expectations of the community. And now they're going to have to suffer the price retaliation. I saw Wendy shaking her head. So I'd love to repeat that. So the Azuki thing was just a, it was literally just a cash grab. Like these 10,000 generative AI pieces, they're not art. Like that's not why NFTs were created. They literally did a copy pasta of their original collection, probably to pay for the party that they had from what I'm seeing. Also too, there's a lot of liquidations and I think it's blur. I don't use blur, but you're allowed to take loans out against your, you know, your JPEGs, et cetera. And I feel like that's what, that's what we're seeing a lot of is a lot of people took out these loans and took out these positions and didn't anticipate floor price to drop this low. And we've seen this happen in the crypto markets as a trader. This is not something that's necessarily uncommon. But when you add more of a trading aspect to NFTs, you're going to see these types of things happen. So not only are people opting out, um, people probably were not taking market or taking profits in the bear market, and they probably had were over over leveraged, and it just didn't work out well for them. Jen, 
Wendy, you set me up for, for some facts I found while I went digging this morning. So people are actually pointing to NFT trading platform Blur as maybe one of the reasons as to why this is happening. So some of the information I found while I was digging around was, you know, Blur created this trading frenzy with its tokenized incentives. So they're focusing in on these tokenized incentives. Board Ape Yacht Club was one of the most traded collections on Blur. Traders were bidding and trading in really high volumes with the aim of collecting more tokens. I think there was even a double token incentive that happened in April or May. And now reports are saying that many lost money in the trading frenzy and then had to sell at losses. And so that could be one of the reasons we're seeing kind of a same trend across some other blue chip projects. So this doesn't look like it is unique to the Board Ape Yacht Club. And I think it's interesting as we get these new mechanisms to operate with in the DeFi world, uh, we, we may see some interesting things happen with NFTs. Yeah, I got to be an Ordinals fan. Get some inscriptions. <laughs> some next wave of NFTs and they're built on Bitcoin. So they're way better. I was going to quickly point to this, this tweet that I thought was really funny as I was digging for information. This person says, imagine walking into a watch store and seeing 10 dudes repeatedly chuck all the Rolexes back and forth at each other. That's what it feels like logging onto Blur, seeing how farmers are treating these luxury digital assets. I thought that was um, kind of funny and, and a great way to visualize why maybe new buyers aren't, aren't aping in to the Board Ape Yacht Club. But Wendy, I'll give it back to you for the last word. Last word is, and we'll answer this on the next show when we cover ordinals. Do you think if the ape owners inscribed their apes as an ordinal, do you think that would potentially help? But don't answer next it now. Next time, next time, next time. But no. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I don't like what it is. I don't know. I think they're lame. Okay, let's go to the last story, though. Let's talk about Pepe. We're not talking about Pepe today, Will. It's, We're not talking it's about Pepe? Done. We're not talking. We you want to talk about Pepe? We got one minute. It's going to be a speed round. Pepe 2.0, baby. You can still buy Pepe and get rugged there as well. So I want to touch it. That's the story. Really quickly to the audience, if you guys are going to ape into any of this garbage, understand you're probably going to lose money. Please consider using disposable income and please consider taking profits like an absolute savage because this stuff is going to end up going to zero. That's all I have to say. I agree with Wendy. Be smart, people. All right. We are going to leave it there for a three box Wednesday show. I'm Jensen Azzi. Wendy O, Will Foxley, always such a pleasure to hear your thoughts, opinions, comments, feedback. We'll be right here on The Hash again tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you then. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 